we need to allow ourselves to be disappointed. We need to allow ourselves to be sad, angry. Um, you know, we, we have to be, we have to allow ourselves to do that and not feel ashamed of it. Um, and recognize, you know, that if we're angry or sad or disappointed about things being canceled or delayed, you know, that's okay. Hi, this is Dan Baum, host of Redefine You. As promised, we're taking a departure from the episodes we originally scheduled for season two so we can focus on what's happening right now, responding to the coronavirus. Today, we're joined by Professor Sarah Meinzler, a licensed social worker and professor at AACC in Human Services. As we grapple with the disruption the pandemic has caused in our daily lives, many of us are wrestling with mixed emotions of anger, frustration, sadness, and even sleepless nights. Professor Meinsler shares her thoughts on what is behind those feelings, ambiguous loss. What is it and how can a better understanding of it help us develop greater resiliency to face the challenges ahead? I'm Sarah Meinzler, and I am an associate professor in the Human Services Department. Um, I've taught for a little over 16 years, um, but I still am considering myself a social worker. Um, so I teach students uh, counseling, assessment, case management, group dynamics, basically how to become a counselor. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is our first remote, so glad to have you. How are you holding up during this pandemic? Well, it's been interesting. I'm just taking it day by day. It's a new normal, I guess, if if you want to call it that. I've holed up with three kids and a dog. Uh, my husband is in healthcare, so he is essential and he is working. Wow. Um, so trying to find this, uh, navigate this with three kids, uh, 16, 14, and 10, and also getting preparing my courses uh, to go from face-to-face -to, -face to online. It's It's just day by day. Sounds like a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you recently wrote on social media about a term, ambiguous loss. What does that term refer to? So ambiguous loss, uh, it's really, it's it's a loss that's just not clear. Um, a lot of times there's just no closure. Um, it's, it's a situation um, or a problem that really doesn't have an answer and there's, there's just no resolution to it. Um, I, I had just really been reflecting on loss a lot because there's just so many that everyone is going through. And I had been to some trainings on ambiguous loss and it dawned on me, that's what this is. Um, it's we're really going through so much that's unclear. We don't really know. We don't have a lot of answers. Um, and it, it's just, it's a uncharted territory kind of a thing. There are different types of ambiguous loss, correct? Can you speak to a little bit about that? Sure. There are two types of ambiguous loss. Um, the first one really is looking at when there's a physical absence uh, with a psychological presence. So um, things when you know a loved one is physically missing um, or or bodily gone. So um, for example, right now what we're going through with teaching and in our our children in school, our, our the teachers are still um, out there. They're still 
present in a way, um, but not physically present. So that's the first type. Um, so the second type is really the opposite. It's more of a psychological absence with physical presence. So, um, you know, when, when, when you think about someone who has Alzheimer's disease or dementia and they are physically present, but they're psychologically absent. And this can apply to groups and not just individuals, right? There can be experiences such as war or genocide, uh, that would apply. Absolutely. You mentioned something about closure. What is the significance uh, about closure when dealing with loss and, and how is that absent here? So the significance of it is that we really don't have it right now. We, we don't, it's, it's open-ended. Um, so we really don't have that closure that we would I think normally get if if we're grieving something, um, there usually can be some form of closure. With this, it's just it's the ambiguity of it all. It's open ended. We don't know. We don't have answers. So there is no closure, really, so to speak. So so much what you're talking about is just dealing with not knowing, a kind of a continuous state of not knowing. In what ways are people experiencing this now? What are you seeing? Well, what I'm seeing is it's. The things that were planned, you know, the planned things, um, you know, for day-to-day things that we, you know, going to work um, for a lot of people, they're out of jobs right now. So they don't know when they're going to be able to go back to work. Uh, a lot of my students, I'm in touch with so many of them and they're not able to work right now. Um, I have students that are doing internships. They're not allowed to go back to their internships. Um, so there's that simple loss right there, not allowed to do your day-to-day normal routines. And the things that we really, honestly, Dan, I think we just take for granted the things that we just are so used to doing, we can't do anymore. Oh yeah. I think of the social side. I, I, I'm watching with with my kids, one's uh, 20, one's 16. They really miss their friends so much. And I look at the seniors of either high school or college and they aren't having their the usual milestones that would be occurring at this point in time. They're not getting any of those, which is a form of closure in itself. Exactly. Exactly. Those are those are those are the celebrations and the milestones and the the bookends to what they've been experiencing and, and going through and, and excited to to celebrate and, and they're really coming to you know they, they come to the realization I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, or maybe they will, but they don't know when. For you know, for example, with our commencement being postponed, we don't know. Um, so there's just that ambiguity. It's out there, what do I do with this? One thing that came to mind, too, when you said about the physical absence with teachers, I would think for younger children, that must be very difficult for them to have this concept that they're still learning or in school and can connect to their teachers, but they're not really connecting to their teachers. They're not physically present. That's right. Exactly. My 10-year-old is really struggling with it. She she misses her friends, She and, and as my other children do as well. But I think I, I, I see it more from her uh, because she really hasn't had as much FaceTime exposure. She hasn't done all of the social media that I think some of the older kids are, are used to. So she is, is really been struggling with just, I, I, I miss my friends, I miss my teacher, um, and just struggling with that. 
I came across this term a few years ago myself. It's the first time I'd heard of it, but it really resonated with me from experiences I had when I was younger with uh, my mother having an illness. And then at the time, my father-in-law was living with us and he had dementia. So it really resonated with me. But I don't think I recognized it in this current situation. So how do people identify that they may be experiencing this sense of ambiguous loss? And what are some of the normal reactions that would maybe indicate Oh, that's what I'm experiencing right now. So, and and that's actually, I think, what made my made me really start reflecting on this. So, it's a great question because I was feeling so many different things, and I, I was try, I couldn't figure out what is this, what, it, why. Obviously, we're going through so much, but I started to really examine physically and mentally and emotionally what what am I going through, and you know, just even some of the physical symptoms of just sleep changes, and you know, just really like more tearful, um, you know, even just difficulty concentrating. Um, feeling just exhausted, but really haven't done much. <laughs> you know, I, it's not like I'm, I'm going out and doing my normal routine. I'm, I'm trying to, but, you know, keep, you know, active, but it's just what is going on with my body, my physical sensations, but also just emotionally, some of, you know, I mentioned tears, um, you know, just feeling helpless, feeling angry, um, feeling anxious, and just just so many feelings and, and just trying to recognize, okay, you know, the physical sense, the emotional sense, um, you know, just all, all of those feelings, okay, how do I how do I label this? How do I put uh, this in context? Okay. And so grief, it, it just, this is what people go through when they're grieving. And so just really recognizing it for what it is, but also just remembering to talk to somebody about this. And the, uh, Irvin Yalom, who is one of my favorite um, authors and therapists, uh, he coined the phrase, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all in this together. Um, and that's just group dynamics in and of itself from a therapeutic standpoint. But now the whole world is. It's not just, you know, a therapeutic group. I mean, the whole world is. And we need to be able to talk about it. Um, but also knowing intellectually um, that really we have to do what we're doing right now. We have to social distance. We have to stay at home. Um, and that's what we're called to do right now, but we can do that in conjunction with having these feelings. You know, the, the different things that you're feeling, I, it actually is a relief to hear that you're experiencing them too, because I'm thinking, oh my God, it's like a roller coaster. I'm up, down, I'm angry, I'm tearful. I'm, uh, I, I can't concentrate. Like you said, it's affecting my sleep. Um, so what you're describing is those are normal for grief, that might be something when someone's grieving. But if you're saying to yourself, as I was saying, why do I feel this way now? It's this sense of ambiguity. Yes, absolutely. You know, you mentioned about we're all in this and the whole world is experiencing this. But there are definitely people who are pushing back and saying, what is going on? What, what is the reason we're doing this? while others are losing their jobs and such, how do we help with a greater sense of empathy when we run up against people that may not recognize what others are going through? Like you said, your husband's in the medical profession, so you'll, you'll be very close to it. How do we help people empathize in this situation? I, 
I love Brene Brown and, you know, she does a, an excellent video on empathy um, and just remembering to not do the at least. And I think, you know, just saying, well, at least you have a job, at least you have a house, at least you have this. Um, I, I think that really when it comes to empathy, we just need to be with people. And obviously we physically can't be with people, but reaching out, connecting through phone calls, Zoom, uh, just staying staying in and being with people and not isolating um, and just allowing people to share their thoughts, their feelings with the anger, the depression, the, the anxiety, you know, anything that they're going through, that's, it's really important to just be able to hear people and to let people know that you are there for them. When you posted this, how did it resonate? What, what are you hearing from people in response? I'm not alone. And they're just appreciation. Uh, we have a, our, our program actually, our human services and addiction counseling, we have a Facebook group um, and it I posted it there and I you know a lot of comments just thank you so much um, I just really appreciate this this is what I've this is exactly what I'm feeling um, people sharing it um, just reaching out to me privately that that they're feeling the same way they're feeling this loss they're feeling and just I'm not they're not alone well just like recognizing that we're in this together in the experience just recognizing that we're experiencing the same kind of thing can be a relief in and of itself. Absolutely. I certainly feel that way just in, in our discussion. I'm hoping in your analysis that there's some advice that comes with it. <laughs> what is the advice or response when dealing with ambiguous loss? So I can't take credit for this. Pauline Boss is the the brains behind this. Um, and she really came up with six areas, six guidelines, so to speak. Um, and, you know, one is finding meaning. And, you know, we, we really have to sort of look at the meaning behind all of this and, you know, kind of understanding the losses, recognizing what they are, um, but also finding meaning and even traditions that we can establish um, that might be different from what we, what our expectations were. So that's one way to, that she suggests that we build resiliency. Um, another that she talks about is um, adjusting mastery. So obviously, you know, we we look at the things that we can control and we look at the things that we cannot control. And I think that is really important for us to do right now, especially if, if for those of us that suffer from anxiety, um, there are a lot of things that we can control and that is our mindset and just how we view things. And there's a lot of things we can't control. We don't know when we're going to go back to work. We don't know when, you know, stores are going to, or, you know, stores are going to reopen. We don't know these things. So really just looking at, at and accepting what we can control and what we can't control. So that's the second thing. Okay. Um, she also talks about re reconstructing identity. Reconstructing identity? Reconstructing identity. So she really probably meant to say redefining yourself is probably what she Well, there you go. There you go. Re <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, re reconstructing, you know, it, it could be... So an example that came to mind when I was looking at this for me... 
I am, I teach my classes face to face. So really I, I identify myself as a professor who teaches in the classroom face to face. So I am reconstructing my identity to now becoming an online instructor. Now I do teach online, mind you, but moving a class like group dynamics, which is one of my favorite classes to teach because I engage with my students where we're doing group activities, moving that online is it's, it's, been a challenge. And it's one of those things that wakes me up at 317 and at night, you know, multiple nights a week. Um, but, but really, it's, it's any identity that we have. And, you know, if, if that identity is impacted um, by this pandemic, we have to take the time and, and really reflect on that and be able to reconstruct um, whatever it is, whatever kind of right now is our new normal. So that's one way that we can also build resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, Another is just normalizing ambivalence, Um, just understanding that the again, we've already kind of established this, but just understanding that our feelings are are okay and just um, they're okay in context with what what we're going through um, in this environment that we're all living in now. Even if they're a crazy range of that, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Even yeah, just norm. Yeah, I mean, this is the new norm for right now, and so normalizing the ambivalence of okay, but you know, we we are going to get through this, and you know, just I, I think one therapist said, it, "I I can stand not knowing. I can do this," mm-hmm. um, and I think just remembering that, like I, and just telling yourself that I can do this. Um, so that's, that's just another way to build resilience through this. Um, another way she talked about is just revised attachment. Um, come, again, just kind of coming to grips with um, the new dynamics, um, celebrating um, what, we're, what we're going through. I mean, finding ways to just celebrate the little things um, and then also taking the time to mourn the changes that we're going through. Um, and, and, and we do, we have to recognize it as, as mourning. I mean, this is, this is hard. This is hard stuff that we are all dealing with. Yeah. I think, uh, like I said, when I think about those seniors who are missing out, um, giving them an opportunity to essentially grieve. Yes, absolutely. Well, and even, you know, the seniors in high school, but even, you know, right now, one of my students comes to mind and she has worked so hard. Um, she's a single mom with two kids and, you know, she has looked forward to graduation for so long and she, you know, she's just like, I've worked so hard for this. I just want to get across that stage. And, you know, I'm telling her it's going to happen. We're going to get you across some stage. And even if we have to construct a stage and it's just human services students and faculty, we're going to do something. (laughs) We're going to find a way to celebrate. Oh yeah. My daughter, who's a junior in high school who didn't get to perform in the play, the musical that she was in. uh, We just did a reading at home uh, with the four of us at home, which was uh, goofy and um, I'm sure terrible to anyone watching it from the outside if they were forced to do that. But it was very entertaining for us. I love that. But, But think of the memory you made. You know, I mean, that is definitely, you know, that is something she'll never forget. And someday she'll tell her children and her grandchildren that you all did that. And so, you know, we're, these are, these are certainly things that we don't expect that we're going to be telling our grandchildren or children, you know, our children's children or whatever. But, um, you know, the, this is, this is 
where we are right now. And that it's hard as that was, you still made a, a new memory and you still forged a new path, which to me, I mean, that, that brings me joy that you did that. So I love that. Well, that makes me wonder where the opportunities are in this moment. I know it seems so hard at this point as we're all wrestling with this sense of loss. Where are the opportunities? What are the opportunities? Great question. Um, and you know, some days I, I, I wonder that, um, but I think I, I, I just really think just holding out hope. Um, and that's really actually her, her sixth uh, way. Um, just finding hope despite living with the uncertainty mm. um, and, and really just looking at our strengths. Um, and if that strength for some of, you know, some people that just are struggling to even get out of bed, you got out of bed today. That's a strength. You brush your teeth today um, because there are some people that are really struggling and they don't even want to get out of bed. Um, to those that are in healthcare, um, we need to celebrate them. I mean, to, we need to celebrate the truck drivers. We need to, and, and, and just, just, be grateful for what we do have. And, sure, um, those who are restocking the grocery store, I'm very thankful for that. Yes, yes. I have a former student that drives, he drives trucks. And um, I gave him a shout out yesterday on Facebook. And, you know, because he's out there and he's posting pictures of where he is and, and all the toilet paper that he's shipping from one, <laughs> you know, I mean, he, he's taking pictures and I celebrate him. I'm so grateful, so grateful for him. All these different points that you're making about resilience for yourself, what has been helpful to you as you look at this knowledge that you have? How is this helping you face the current challenges? Which which of these really strikes a chord with you? I think um, that's a yeah, that's a good question because I think I I try and look at them all and. Um, but I think for me, just not going through this alone um, and just trying to stay engaged with people, um, that's what's helping me uh, because I don't do well in isolation. Mm. Um, and so I think um, just and, and also, Dan, I'll be honest with you, finding ways to laugh. That's not even on one of the not anything I've mentioned before, but just finding ways to laugh. And, you know, if it's a silly meme that's out there, um, you know, just just laughing and just trying to um, enjoy each day and each really each hour sometimes for what it is. And I think knowing that that's okay, because recognizing that some people have some real hardships right now, but that we all need to be able to laugh yes. in times of struggle. Absolutely. I think it's helpful too. So we learned in our first season that we experienced these lightning strike moments when the outside world forces us to change, which is clearly happening now. How do you think we're redefining ourselves in these times? It's early in the process, but if you were to reflect on that. How do you think we're redefining ourselves collectively in these times? I think we're really looking at finding that meaning of what's really important. Hmm. What is really important? And, you know, we, we've had so many things stripped away. If you think about all the things that people look to and, you know, really it's, it's just, what is important? What is it from in your day-to-day -day life when so many things have been stripped away? I think we will, I, I know personally, I have thought about this and 
just I I know family faith um, just I it's really reflecting on that for me is just finding out what's important. Yeah, that really resonates with me. So that was going to be my follow up question then. So for you, it's family and faith. Absolutely. So how do you think you're redefining yourself? Ah, uh, well, I think just giving myself more grace, just not being so hard on myself and just recognizing that I am going to get through this, um, that we're all going to get through this. The, the advice I'm telling my students, I, taking that advice to heart that you're going to get through this, I'm going to get through this, um, just taking it one day at a time, but also taking the time to, for me, to really examine myself, examine the emotions and the, the grief, but also finding joy. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, that's just, that's just what I keep thinking of. Just um, finding joy in the littlest things. Well, thank you, Sarah, so much for taking the time to speak with me. I know you're extremely busy right now. You've got a lot going on, but we can do this. And I think talking to you has really helped me recognize what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing others experience, and has given me confidence. Yeah, we absolutely, we can do this. Yes, we can. No one asked for this, and no one can tell us when it will come to an end. The uncertainty has upended our lives in ways we couldn't predict and still can't fully know. The inability to control was once familiar and routine has added another layer to the disruption, isolation, and at times, chaos. Yet somehow knowing that others are feeling the same way, that there's even a term to describe it, and that there are concrete things we can do to counter our confusion is itself comforting. We can choose to mourn what we have lost while holding out hope for brighter days ahead. Professor Meinsler gave us a number of good tips from seeking meaning and mastery to expressing gratitude, finding joy in little things, and sharing a laugh. The silver lining may be that when so many things have been stripped away, we are rediscovering what is truly important, and that despite the separation from one another, we are not alone. production of Anne Arundel Community College. Our executive producer is Allison Baumbush. Our producer is Jeremiah Pravat and our writer, Amy Carr Willard. Others who helped with this podcast include Angie Hamlet, Alicia Renahan, and Ben Pierce. Special thanks to Professor Sarah Meinsler. Find show notes, how to subscribe, and other extras on our website, aacc.edu slash podcast. I'm your host and creator of this podcast, Dan Baum. Thanks for listening.